and welcome to Opinionated Science, the podcast from Technology Networks. I'm Rory, a senior science writer from Technology Networks, and today we are doing something a little different. Today's episode is a crossover with our sister site, Analytical Cannabis. I have AC's science writer and editor, Leo Bear-McGinnis, joining me on today's podcast. How are you, Leo? Um, well, Rory, how are you? Yes, good, and excited to be covering this topic. You see, Leo and the AC team focus their coverage on the scientific side of cannabis research. And today, we are going to take a look at the science of cannabis edibles. Leo is going to give us a rundown of how edibles affect our bodies and brains. And we're also going to hear from Meryl Gilbert, co-founder and CEO of San Francisco-based consultancy Trace Trust. Uh, Meryl is a cannabis industry veteran, and uh, we're going to hear all about um, the science of edibles and also a little bit about how the cannabis industry is putting that science into practice. But first, Leo, could I pick your brains for a minute? How much do we know about how edibles impact the body differently from, say, smoking cannabis? Well, fundamentally, there's no great deal of difference, really. I mean, it's the unique chemical compounds in cannabis, the cannabinoids as they're known, that affect the brain and create the high. And these cannabinoids are present in both smokable cannabis and edible cannabis. What's really different is where these compounds are processed in the body. So when you smoke cannabis, the compound delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC for short, goes straight from the lungs to the bloodstream, to the brain, and you can feel an effect within minutes. But when cannabis is eaten, it obviously bypasses the lungs. It goes straight to the digestive system. And what's here, it's really the fats in the edibles that are key. Cannabinoids like THC aren't water-soluble, for example. So if you were to just drink them, you'd they pass through the other end without any effect. They really bond well with fats. This is key. And that helps the compounds pass through the lining of our digestive system into the bloodstream there. And once there, the blood takes the compounds to the liver, where the really interesting stuff happens. Here, that delta-9-DHC is altered to make something called 11-hydroxy-THC. Now, not much is known about this form of THC, but studies have suggested that it can cross the blood-brain barrier even better than regular THC. So when this 11-hydroxy-THC eventually reaches your brain, the feelings of the high are even more pronounced. That's the edibles effect. So time can feel like it's slowing down. Thoughts may seem even more profound. And if you feel like you're completely glued to your chair, that's entirely normal. Sure, some of our listeners will be greatly reassured by that. Uh, that's that's really interesting. I, I honestly didn't know anything about the, the different subtypes of, of THC. Uh, a quick question here. I'm wondering, you know, we know so much now about other things that we consume through our, our digestive tract and how differently different types of food stuff are processed um, by our digestive system and how much that varies depending on person-to-person speciality. So I'm thinking things like, um, our microbiome, for example, or you know, even um, our metabolome network of metabolites in our body. Do we know how much the effect of a, a cannabis edible, you know, even the, the same type of edible, differs between different people? Well, I wouldn't be able to comment on any differences with microbiomes, but there is some evidence to suggest, I've spoken to some researchers myself on this, about how digestive health in general can affect the way edibles are processed. So people with Crohn's disease or people with slower digestive tracts, that will you know, impact the way it's digested and impact the onset of the effects. 
And as I've said, it's really the fats and edibles that make them work, of course. It's why CBD oil is an oil, for instance. So a cannabis edible salad wouldn't really work if, if unprocessed. So that's going to make a difference too. And for the same reasons, edibles with higher fat contents should have stronger effects than less fatty edibles with the same cannabinoid doses. Other than that, it really is the dosing itself that's going to make the difference, which, if your edible is legally bought, can depend on where you are. So for in Canada, for instance, edibles are capped legally at 10 milligrams of THC per unit of product that is intended to be ingested. But if you're in California, you could buy a chocolate bar with 1,000 milligrams of THC in it. They do exist, a whole gram of Oof. concentrated THC, which is incidentally unadvisable if you're a bit of a novice to these things. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So when we talk, when we think about different edibles, you know, that obviously the, the range of them has expanded hugely. Um, is, is it primarily the dosing or uh, are there other other factors we need to consider beyond the, the dosing and the, the, the processability of the, the food stuff? Um, well, it's mainly the dosing and the fat content of the edibles, as I say, but it can also matter about the CBD to THC ratio. Uh, certainly if you buy a chocolate bar in California that is just containing THC or is advertised as such, it's only got five milligrams or 10 milligrams of THC in it, that will have a different effect than if you get something with 10 milligrams of CBD and one milligram of THC. The balance between these two key cannabinoids uh, can have an effect that CBD in particular can be uh, a bit of a calming effect to any of the effects that THC might pose. Thanks, Leo. Now, I'm the neuroscience editor at TN, so I do always like to ask how these kind of things are affecting our brain. So what happens in our, our brain once the, the metabolites of the cannabis have crossed past the blood-brain barrier when we experience an edible high? Well, the main part of the high is really down to the THC that we've been talking about. Now, that THC and other cannabinoids like CBD, they're very similar in structure to chemicals we already produce in our bodies, these so-called endocannabinoids. And those compounds attach onto receptors in our neurons and help regulate neuron-to-neuron -neuron communication. They're a bit like dimmer switches for the nerves. So once THC is in the brain, it takes the place of these naturally produced endocannabinoids. It shoves them out the way, bonds with the neuron receptor and can cause the neuron to fire more and send more signals to its neighbor and its neighbor to its neighbor. So in one study, I think published in 2015, researchers gave some participants some THC, measured their brain activity with uh, an electrocephalogram, I think, and did find that the THC consumers had high levels of neural noise, as it's dubbed. And this rapid communication between neurons, this neural noise, can have all kinds of effects associated with the high, like profound thoughts and fits of giggling. Great, thanks, Leo. Now, you've focused in with me on the, the science of edibles, but all this research is really only relevant if the cannabis, cannabis industry take it on board when they develop their products in what is now a booming market. Now, Leo, you recently spoke with Meryl Gilbert, and I think you've got a recording of the interview to share with us. Is that right? Uh, yes, it is. We had a great chat, plenty of different insights about the market, particularly in California, where edibles uh, are sold and where Merrill's company, Trace Trust, is based. Um, but some further insights to one, how the edibles are going to be further regulated in the US, different dosing, labeling requirements, 
that kind of thing. It was a great chat. Great. Now we're going to hear Leo's interview with Meryl in full. Hi, Meryl. I was just wondering, to kick this conversation off, whether we could talk about the edibles market in California, particularly, but the edibles market in North America generally, because I was just wondering about the demand that's being seen there. It's grown in so many years in the legal space. So what kind of products are being coveted by consumers? What products are being marketed? What's the market itself? Leah, thank you so much for having me on today and to have this opportunity to talk about it. You know, I'm quite privileged to be in California because not only are we uh, known for being an agriculture state, uh, but we're also known for our food. Um, we're known for obviously our wine. And we have... Um, with cannabis, we had the great juncture of taking all of those influences. And we also have obviously some of the oldest and best genetics based out of Northern California in what is known as the Emerald Triangle. So when you bring all of that together um, and the evolution of now being um, having full legalization for um, going into our third and fourth years, the level and sophistication of the products combined with all the new technologies that have evolved, you are seeing some of the most um, innovative, but also effective products, particularly in the ingestible. So just to, to give a, a quick background here, you know, I think um, traditionally, if you think old school, when you talked about an edible, generally it was um, very much thought after as you know what was in your college days of brownies and cookies and usually some really heavy duty um, psychoactive experience um, that was also you know you it took a long time to get started and then you kept eating more and oftentimes you either ended up where you were having a crazy psychoactive experience where you thought you were going to jump out of your skin or you're passed out on your couch for you know, 24 hours so you know today we um, have so many different ways of um, extracting and infusing and we have this whole new world around microdosing. So now we have you know, new people coming into the market for the first time, um, maybe new to um, cannabis experiences and trying it out for the first time, or you, know, you have a group that has come from the old um, you know, world and, and starting to come into the new um, ideas and moving away from inhaling something. And they're also looking for this to fit into their lifestyle. So the needs are different, whether it is for relief from pain or it is, you know, pre-workout, post-workout, sleep, um, relaxation, ease of, of anxiety. And the other thing is that in this um, world that we've lived in for the last year with COVID-19, in California and in many states across the country that do have legal access, we became an essential business. And it really you know, was a needed relief um, during such a, an unsettling and unpredictable time period. And so these um, products became really um, integrated into, as I was saying, our everyday life. So it's a very exciting time. Most uh, 
thing that you hear today more than anything is microdosing, microdosing, microdosing. And what that means is, you know, again, not looking for that heavy duty, high, um, stony old, you know, thought process, but looking for something that is going to be incremental. It's going to be um, what we call an onset, the start and the offset, you know, easier to digest, easier system. And so what's great is now we have different vehicles for that and, and how that happens. So, and we're getting better at controlling um, the, what we call the dosing, um, but it's, it's not the, the right word, but more the incremental ways in which we're looking at this. So how is that happening and how has that evolved? So um, for the medical side, particularly, you know, for, for people that are, you know, in cancer treatments, et cetera, the, that, is a, that is a heavier need. But what I want to focus on when I talk about microdosing is that everyday lifestyle. And with that, the demand now is really much more focused on having food science as part of this, right? And not just, hey, I'm gonna make something delicious and add some can of butter to that. So when we talk about new technologies, we're, you know, one, identifying, you know, more and more research going into the overall cannabinoid system. And now we're being able to extract different um, elements for different purposes, mixed with the terpenes, mixed with other ingredients, we're getting different efficacies. And so what does that look like? Um, you know, when we talk about a gummy, we have a, a dietary desire for a vegan. Well, in their traditional gummy jelly type thing, there's usually gelatin, which is obviously um, derived from bones. And so that's not, so now we need to have other ways um, of making that. So you're seeing a lot of work in the thermoreversible gelling agents that meet that demand. Um, also holding the product together. So if again, if you think of these little gummies and then you have a container of them and you accidentally leave them in the car and the car warms up and then you open it up and you've got a glob. So it helps you know, with that separation and keeping them in their original shape. You also have, um, you know, a really emerging piece um, and is really taking on and really helping expand the, the acceptance and um, destigmatization around it. And that is in the water emulsified cannabinoids, right? So that is being able to take these oils and make them highly stable and being able to add them to water. And so that too is really helping pinpoint. And you're seeing this in the entire world around beverages. And beverages are just a, you know, th there's something we get very excited about because of the fact that one, um, it's, you know, it's a normal thing. You're used to drinking a, a can of soda or a bottle of beer um, or sparkling water. So these things really take that into that level. But again, it's that controllable onset. It's easier to digest and get into the system. And so that, you know, you're feeling the effects within 15 um, minutes and then you're starting, you know, you peak over, you know, it's time release over a period of time and then you come down. And so that gives you more of an of a even um, experience because you may have more knowledge on your body's effects if you have a glass of wine, but you not necessarily if you have it with cannabis. And so this is a really safe, um, reliable way in which to consume and to try it out. 
And then you have, you know, within that, you have a whole array of products, everything from, you know, the single use, as I said, you know, can or, or bottled item or a shot for energy mixed with other um, super foods. And then you have, you know, more sophisticated um, here in California, we have um, a, a brand that's called Artad and, and it is, you know, comes almost looking like it is in an um, alcohol bottle. It's got a portioning. And so you can make these wonderful um, can of cocktails with it and replace, you know, what you normally would have put your gin or vodka or bourbon in. So that is very exciting in that um, whole piece. Um, in addition to, to that benefit of this um, onset and offset, we're also seeing a lot of work done with what we call live resin. And live resin, um, you know, the flower is where all this, this wonder is, where all the, the, the greatness is. And so it is being able to take that, that flower straight that hasn't been cured or dried and then really um, freeze drying it and taking out so that you're getting and retaining all the terpenes and the flavors in it. And so now we're seeing an, a variety of products that are getting infused with these live resins um, that are strain specific and making another really remarkable, easy to take, um, low dose format, um, but giving you a much more unique experience tied back to um, the cat tied back to these strains. Because eventually what we're going to see and ideally when um, the whole country becomes um, legalized and you can go over across state lines that, you know, some of these original strains, as I mentioned from the Emerald Coast, um, could become almost like Appalachians that we see in the wine world, right? So, you know, Champagne is only from Champagne region of France. Um, Napa Valley designated wines can only come from Napa Valley. And so, you know, ideally we'll start to see that as well. And, and then the other side of this too, coming back into this, is we're also seeing um, these items showing up in the kitchen. And so another, you know, wonderful, um, and it's not to call out, you know, one brand over another here, um, but people that are really changing up the game is, you know, a company called Potley, which is making kitchen um, condiments, right? And so, you know, they, they come from a, a, an amazing um, Asian family who has been producing condiments here um, in California for, um, for, a very long time, but they took that technology and knowledge of manufacturing and, you know, brought it into the cannabis world. And so they have wonderful items. They have infused honey, both in the hemp um, CBD, but also in the THC and CBN world um, for mixing into to your teas. They have um, infused olive oils. They have infused chili oil. They have a really beautiful um, hemp infused apple cider vinegar. And what's again, that apples are, are you know, coming from local um, farms and the honey are from their own bees. And so this is not just an experience, but it's also, again, um, calling out the craftsmanship, the, the change. So it's not just, hey, give me the, the thing that's going to get me the highest but it's also a separation in the brand and in the market because it's really um, looking at the overall experience that you're trying to create for the consumer. And since we still have such a disconnect 
and we've not set out, you know, when we set out this standard testing, and that's a lot of where Trace Trust lives, right? We, we make edibles credible. We help people not only ideate and formulate and scale into commercialization, but we also, you know, are working closely um, on studies with labs right now and even have put our own standards um, in the ASTM process because it's still very hard. Um, you have a lot of labs that didn't come from food and beverage or pharmaceutical and nutraceutical worlds that just kind of opened up. And because each state is not united in how they go about looking at it, other than THC and levels of CBD, they're not looking at all the other cannabinoids and they're even trying to regulate some of that, which is unfortunate at this point in time because we don't have enough um, studies being done on the academia side, the medical side and the science side. And, um, and you know, we know that certain things such as the Delta eight, which is much, you know, it's not psychoactive, it's much more in the head and the body. You know, we, we have so many opportunities. So we're really looking at that. We're looking at these lab standards because again, um, when you get into these lower doses, it's really hard to um, navigate how to do that, how, you know, the chain of command of um, the sampling, how to, to break that down and how to homogenize with all ingredients. So again, when we're only looking at concentrations of THC and CBD, and we're only looking at pesticides, molds, and solvents in the source, and we're not looking at overall finished product, um, there's a disconnect. And so, you know, we really are about education and we're about um, collaboration and really uniting this industry on a universal scale so that we can all bring it into the future because there's so much opportunity um, for so many applications in our world. No, that was a fantastic overview of the market as a whole. I suppose the big headline from everything is just how much things have changed in the past few years, how far it's come from just the homemade pot brownie. There seems to be a real degree of food science involved now. Just looking to the future now, because where you are in California, cannabis has been legal recreationally since early 2018. So it's only been about you know three years of seeing the, the market change and seeing how uh, edibles have really gone in their regulation. I was just wondering, where do you see things going in, in five and 10 years time in the state and nationwide when it comes to dosing, when it comes to labeling, when it comes to how edible science and regulation is gonna advance? So the one area that we're still uh, missing and, and we look to, to get to at some point is um, the culinary side, right? So thinking of this as an ingredient. And we really, um, when we went recreational, we really lost this opportunity to actually be able to um, create dining experiences, right? To create, um, to add it in over the counter. So, you know, where I use the example of a, a company that's creating a condiment and a kitchen pantry line, we still can't go into a restaurant. And there was for a while where you could, and, CBD added to your coffee or your drink, but we, we miss that whole space. So ideally, um, you know, with New York coming on, we have so much opportunity now to really go circle back so that you can come in and have a, a dinner that is um, elevated and um, cured for an experience. And 
those of us who've had that opportunity in the past to to have a what we call a, a canister, there is, is a wonderful chef here that that had a canister series, you know, to really have a meal that was presented in the same way you would do a wine dinner um, with flights and tastes and flavors that, you know, we're not about that, you know, leaving you intoxicated and going out into the world, but really um, making it special and unique or having those consumption lounges, you know, we're just still not there. And so that's, you know, we see that future coming. We see the future of travel and going to destinations and having um, that same experience for a holiday that you would do in the wine country. And I just continue to see as we, you know, learn more and more technologies come, just the, the array of types of products that we're going to have in our everyday life is going to be phenomenal for these different need states, as I said. You know, so whether you're active or relaxing or just um, getting together with friends, that you'll be able to meet those different needs. Fantastic. And I'm sure just as California has developed its reputation, uh, rightly so, for being a wine destination, I'm sure as soon as the regulations catch up, uh, with more looser edible uh, consumption areas. I'm sure it's, it's notoriety uh, for, for cannabis and edibles will draw a similar crowd to the region for a different reason. We're hoping so. And it's also to protect the, the um, legacy growers. You know, the other side of this is we still have people um, incarcerated in our country and they need, you know, we need to get decriminalization. We need to get um, these people out and we need to also make sure that they are part of the success of the industry, right? And they have the same opportunities and that it doesn't just become a big business, um, but that we really provide opportunities for, for um, all types of group in, in social justice and equity. Yeah, of course. We've covered a great range of great issues. I was just wondering if there's anything that you'd like to add that you maybe wanted to mention and we haven't got around to? Oh, let's see, I think I, I covered um, most of it, but more importantly, I just, you know, this, this wonderful connection between science, technology and the plant is, it's so inspiring, it's so exciting and there's so much possibility. And, you know, we could do a whole nother conversation on the hemp side for industrial hemp and the uses in packaging and building and fabric, you know, that hasn't even begun. And so as we, you know, educate around cannabis and cultivated hemp for consumption versus um, industrial hemp and its potential, you know, who knows where we're going from here. Of course, so much to explore. And thank you for taking the time out this morning to, to tell it all to me. Thank you, Leo, for, for your time. I hope you enjoyed that discussion between Leo and Merrill as much as I did. Cannabis edibles are clearly on a trajectory that will see them become far more widespread than they are today. I personally will be staying away from the 1000 milligram chocolate bars for now, but for more cannabis science coverage, please do check out analyticalcannabis.com. I'm sure we'll cover cannabis research again here on Opinionated Science very soon. So please like, share and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And as always, let us know what you think. Don't keep your opinions to yourself. Bye for now.